MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is The Look Ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSIN, the sports betting network. My thanks to James Alvarino, who joins us each and every Thursday in studios. We broke down the NFL card. And, you know, it's so crazy when you're trying to handicap the NFL, just how much goes into each game. And the injury report's just so important. You know, uh, him and I were talking off the air about that Colts game with the uh, Tennessee Titans. And, uh, you know, yes, Carson Wentz is the big name, but if Xavier Rhodes is out still for the Colts, then I think you almost have to play the Titans because I don't know if the Colts' defense is going to be able to stop anybody. Well, Xavier Rhodes returned to practice uh, on uh, Wednesday. Um you know, just waiting to see what happens here for oh, Thursday's practice report as Xavier Rhodes was a limited participant in practice. Does that mean that he's going to play? Not sure, but he missed the first two games with the calf strain, and he is just huge for them on defense. So if he's unable to play, uh, their secondary certainly continues to be weakened. And going up against the Titans, it's not going to be a good sign to be missing key guys from your defense as well as your starting quarterback. So keeping an eye on the injury reports is so important. Uh, not just the quarterbacks, not just the uh, pro, you know the, the the sexy skill position players, defensive players, linemen. All these guys matter when it comes to the injury reports in the NFL. College football, fun slate this weekend. It really it, it really is fun. It kicked off here on Thursday night and. 
If you had App State minus seven, I'm sorry. I really am. Um, if, if you don't know what happened in that game, App State is up one with, I guess, about a minute or so left in the game. And they're in scoring position, attempting to, you know, run the clock out, if you will. Uh, the running back breaks. I mean, the defense for Marshall is just letting them score, right? Because the only chance that Marshall has to get the ball back and try and win the game is to let App State score. Because if they score and they get the extra point, they're still down just eight. It's a one-possession game. Now, I don't know if App State scores. I mean, they obviously have to take the extra point. You don't go for two there um, and give yourself a situation, a, a chance to, uh, you know, go into overtime. You want to, you know, force them to, uh, or a chance to lose. You want to force yourself a situation where you can only tie at the very, very worst. But with, like I said, about a minute or so left in the game, <laughs> App State runs the ball and takes and slides down. The, the running back slides down. And um, I guess that was it, right? That was the, uh, was that the end of the game? They failed to cover uh, to getting that touchdown. Um, you know, didn't see how the, the rest of the game played out, but I saw that clip circulating across Twitter. Um, that the player took a knee or slid down at the end of the game. So instead of scoring and covering the line, uh, the player went down and uh, everyone you know who had the underdog, I guess, cheered. And everyone who had the favorite uh, was lamenting the end result of that game. So there's a, a nice slate on Friday. You actually have four games, starting with Middle Tennessee and Charlotte. Charlotte is a three-point favorite. Wake Forest and Virginia, that's a game that will be uh, nationally televised. Obviously, all the games are nationally televised. Well, you got Syracuse and Liberty on the ACC network. But uh, ESPN2, Wake Forest and Virginia, the Cavaliers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This line was four, and uh, it is now down to three-and-a-half. I like Wake Forest in this game. I just don't know if I can pull the trigger on it. And the reason why I'm hesitant is because of just how good Brennan Armstrong has been for Virginia. They got blown out by North Carolina last week. But in that loss, Brennan Armstrong threw for 554 yards and four touchdowns. He had an absurd game. Now, they were down 14 nothing. They score, it's 14-7. They're down 21-7. But then Virginia rallied and had a 28-24 lead going into the locker room. The two teams, you know, exchange in the, in the third quarter. North Carolina really has a, a monster second half. North Carolina scores uh, a bunch of touchdowns. Um, you know, Brennan Armstrong did throw an interception when it was 45-31. That then led to another North Carolina touchdown, which made it 52-31. Uh, and then uh, a touchdown for, for Virginia made it 52-39. But North Carolina scores again. So the Virginia defense was awful in the second half. Absolutely awful. But the offense was rolling. And this Wake Forest defense is going to be the best defense that Virginia has faced so far this season. 
They blew out William and Mary. They blew out Illinois, and they got blown out by Virginia. But now they face a Wake Forest defense that is having a tremendous start to their season. You know, they're, they're, they allow just 300 yards per game. They're doing a great job of taking the football away. Turnover margin is incredible. But again, can they stop this offense? Because as good as Wake Forest has been this year, they played against Old Dominion, Norfolk, and Florida State. It's easy to have your defense look good and take the football away when Florida State is handing it to you. <laughs> they are just handing you the football. Florida State turned the ball over uh, a lot in that game against Wake Forest. Um, uh, Jordan Travis threw one interception. Mackenzie Milton threw two interceptions. Um, Mackenzie Milton lost two fumbles. So there was a lot of turnovers in that game. So that's why you know you're going to look at this Wake Forest defense and you're going to see their turnover margin and might be a little bit skewed just because of that Florida State game. Wake Forest offensively is tremendous as well. Sam Hartman is a, a very good quarterback. He's got elite weapons um, at the wide receiver position. Uh, Jaquari Robinson is a fantastic wide receiver. A.T. Perry as well. Christian Beal Smith, a, a fantastic running back. So Wake Forest can score with the best of them. If I was going to play this game, I obviously I lean Wake Forest with the points. I'm a little afraid of it. I think the game goes over. It's 68 and a half is the total, which is very high. But I think both teams are easily into the 30s. And uh, both teams could be into, this could be, you know, an 80-somewhat point game. 68 and a half. And, and, I mean, just look at the way that that North Carolina game played out. You know, North Carolina's offense with Sam Howell probably a little more dynamic than Wake Forest, but they're very comparable. The way that uh, you know Wake Forest is led by a talented quarterback with great skill position players, those are comparable offenses. And look at what that North Carolina offense did to Virginia, scoring 59 points. Wake Forest could put up 35 to 41 points in this game. The only thing that concerns me is if Virginia scores 41, 45 of their own. So uh, I would lean towards the over is where I like this game. And uh, if I had to choose a side... It would be Wake Forest plus the three and a half. At least you're getting over a field goal, although I don't think there's going to be many field goals in this game. Uh, the game that I played was Liberty going on the road to the Carrier Dome to play against Syracuse, and they are laying six and a half points. Uh, I think this Liberty team is just head and shoulders more talented than Syracuse. The two teams played each other last season, so there's familiarity and pretty much everybody's back for Liberty that played in that game. That was a 38-21 win over Syracuse last season. And I know that there were no fans in attendance, but it, it was still played at the Carrier Dome. So there's familiarity there. Liberty's not going to get off the bus and go into that giant bubble and be overwhelmed by the, the, the Carrier Dome. They're going, you know, because it, it, can, it can happen for, you know, Players from maybe a small Virginia town or wherever they're from can, can, can walk into the Carrier Dome and be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the place. Not going to happen. They played there last year. They won there last year. Liberty also has a good road win this year. They went to Troy, and they won a tough game, 21-13. Malik Willis is now the fifth favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. He's having a tremendous season, four rushing touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns. 
And, and really what's been so impressive about this Liberty team is they haven't turned the football over once yet. They are disciplined. They protect the football. And I love that. I mean, that's how you win football games, right? You don't turn the ball over. And uh, Syracuse, meanwhile, is not really set on who's going to be the quarterback. They are going to have this rotation that is going to be between Tommy DeVito and Garrett Schrader. Um, DeVito's thrown two picks this year. Schrader's thrown one. And I think they're not going to be able to find the rhythm offensively. Not against the Liberty defense that is holding opponents to 58 rushing yards a game. You realize how low that is? And Yeah, I know Sean Tucker had a monster game against Albany, but that's Albany. This is a Liberty defense that has allowed only 58 yards per game. Rutgers' defense is kind of comparable to what Liberty can do, right? And in that Rutgers game, Rutgers limited Syracuse to 67 rushing yards, and they won the game 17-7. Now, Liberty's offense, much more dynamic than the Rutgers offense, but defensively, I think the teams are comparable. So Rutgers goes on the road, beats Syracuse 17-7, and I think that's what's going to happen with the Liberty team holding Syracuse to probably the same amount of points, but offensively, they're going to score a boatload more. So I'm laying the 6.5 on the road, and uh, I'm not concerned with it. So I'm going with Liberty. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air. Coming up next, we'll update you on the Major League Baseball playoff race and the slate coming up here for Friday. We'll see if we can hit a fourth consecutive Moneyline parlay. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, always on Twitter at Scott's On Air. And let's take a look at some Major League Baseball. The playoff races are heating up with less than 10 games to go in the season. We hit our third straight money line parlay on Thursday. We took the Yankees and the Phillies on Monday and it lost. Why? Because the Phillies were blanked by the Orioles 2 0. We went back to the well with Yankees and Phillies money line parlay on Tuesday and it hit. We did it again on Wednesday, and it hit. And on Thursday, I went back to the Phillies, playing against the Pirates, and uh, I I took the Dodgers to pair them up with. The Dodgers with Max Scherzer on the hill, who prior to this start against the Rockies had had a .7 ERA, or .07 ERA. Like, absolutely absurd how lights out Max Scherzer had been since coming over to the Dodgers. He vaunted, vaunted himself up as the lock for the National League Cy Young Award. But Scherzer allows five runs to the Rockies. And the Dodgers were trailing 5-4 going into the top of the ninth. And I thought the parlay was over before it even started. But then the Dodgers tied in the top of the ninth. And in the bottom of the ninth, Max Muncy with a uh, two-run home run on the first pitch of the 10th inning. Dodgers win 7-5, to five, and uh, they uh, win the first leg for us. The <laughs> Phillies went down 6 nothing against the Pirates. Again, I thought the parlay was over. 
and the Phillies scored 12 unanswered runs against the Pirates to win the game 12 to 6, cashing us in on the two team money line parlay for the third straight day. Uh, it was Dodgers and Phillies, and it hit for us. So now let's try and make it four straight days. We've already had a winning week, but let's try to make it four straight days of winning baseball picks. Now, can I go for it? What should I do here? Should I just pick one pick and, and, and stick with that and just say, okay, you know what? The only reason why I did the Moneyline parlays is because I went with heavy favorites, not going to lay minus 250. So I found a parlay partner. I found a dance partner for the Dodgers because the Dodgers are really the pick that I loved with Max Scherzer on the hill. But So I found the Phillies as, the, as their parlay partner. But maybe there's a play on this board that I just like by itself. And, and so that might be the way to go. And I'll tell you right now, the Yankees and Red Sox are battling each other for the American League wildcard. As we sit here right now, the Red Sox are two games up on the Yankees for the first wildcard. The Yankees are one game up on the Blue Jays for the second wildcard. The Yankees play the Red Sox for three games and then play the Blue Jays for three games. So these next six games will determine the American League wildcards. The Red Sox have won seven straight, eight of their last 10. The Yankees have won three straight, seven of their last 10. So both teams come into this game playing good baseball. Garrett Cole is on the mound against Nathan Yavaldi. Garrett Cole had a rough outing his last time out. Garrett Cole, who is right there with Robbie Ray, as the finalists, if you will, for the American League Cy Young. Last time out, got shelled by Cleveland in a game that I said, well, Garrett Cole just lost the Cy Young Award. Seven runs uh, on 10 hits and five and two-thirds innings. But then Robbie Ray went out there, and he gave up a bunch of runs also in his next start. So maybe the race is still open. And if that's the case, pitching well against the Red Sox is a way to sway the voters, the writers, and to win this award. Garrett Cole and the Yankees are minus 120 against the Red Sox, which is crazy because, one, the Red Sox have won seven straight. They're home. Why wouldn't you want to back them? But also, when have you seen Garrett Cole as a favorite that low? To me, I just think that screams value And the way to do it is to go back Garrett Cole at the minus 120 point. But I'm not going to do it for the full game. Because the Yankee bullpen has been somewhat suspect. And it's Fenway Park. Anything can happen. You know, Fenway, we've seen games go from 2-1 to 9-8. So I'm actually going to back Garrett Cole in the first five innings only. And I'll take the Yankees in the first five innings at minus 120. If they're tied, we'll gladly take the push, but I'm, I'm hoping that the Yankees have a lead after five innings. If they can score against Nate Yavaldi, hopefully Garrett Cole limits the Red Sox to one or zero runs and solidifies his Cy Young award, and the Yankees get out to a lead after five innings, and then whatever happens with the bullpens happens with the bullpens. So I'm going to go Yankees first five at minus 120. And uh, if you're looking for a money line parlay tomorrow, 
uh, on Friday with two favorites. Let's see. Kyle Gibson and the Phillies are minus 220. They've won three straight games, and they scored 12 runs in uh, Thursday's game. So their offense certainly is seeing the ball well at home. And if you want to parlay them with somebody, well, how about we look down the board and uh, take the Dodgers on the road against the Diamondbacks. I don't think it'll take extra innings this time. I think the Dodgers win this one in uh, nine innings. Phillies and Dodgers two-team Moneyline Parlay is plus 110. And uh, sure, if you want to throw the Yankees' first five in there as the uh, play, well, then you can get all three of those plays at plus 285. Uh, That is the line here according to DraftKings. So that's going to be my read here on Major League Baseball. Let me update you on what's going on with the standings, though. And here's where we sit in the divisional races. The Phillies are just two games back of the Atlanta Braves. And again, those teams will play each other coming up in a few days. But uh, right now, the Phillies, they will send Kyle Gibson to the hill on Friday against Sam Howard, Phillies and Pirates from Citizens Bank. The Phillies are minus 220. As for the Atlanta Braves, they will play a double header. Um, and uh, that game is... Uh, Against the Padres, they are plus 105 uh, and minus 125 for San Diego. Seeing that here on the schedule um, for the Atlanta Braves. It's uh, game two for them. Yeah, I guess it's uh, oh, it's only one game. I don't know why it says game two. But you got three games here against the Padres for the Braves. And then you got three games with the Phillies for the Braves. And then three games with the Mets for the Braves. So... Tougher schedule, if you will, for the Phillies because they're dealing with the Padres who still hope to have a chance at the wild card, and then the Mets would love nothing more than to play the spoiler the last three games of the season. And uh, meanwhile, the Phillies just have the Pirates, then that Braves series, and then three games with the Marlins. So the Phillies certainly have the easier remaining schedule out of those two teams. Dodgers are one game back of the Giants in the National League West. The uh, Dodgers, as we mentioned, will be at the Diamondbacks, and they are a minus 225 favorite. Tony Gonsolin against Humberto Castellanos for the Diamondbacks. The Giants, meanwhile, they are playing. Where's the Giants line here? Giants are at the Rockies. Alex Wood against Peter Lambert. Alex Wood and the Giants are minus 195. The Rockies are plus 165. Over in the wild card standings, I mentioned everything in the American League with the Red Sox and Yankees playing each other. The Blue Jays are just one game back of the Yankees. The Mariners are just two games back of the Yankees. The Blue Jays will play the Twins. They are a minus 160 favorite with Jose Barrios on the hill against Bailey Obear uh, for the Twins at plus 140. And uh, the Mariners will be in L.A. to take on the Angels. Logan Gilbert against Jose Suarez. Gilbert and the Mariners are minus 120. The Angels at plus 100. In the National League wild card race, it is the Cardinals with a four and a half game lead now on the Philadelphia Phillies. So the Phillies with a chance to um, win a couple of games here, hope that the Cardinals lose, and maybe they have a chance to get into the playoffs even if they don't win the division. The Reds are now five and a half games back. Um, The Padres six games back. So as Yogi Berra would say, it's getting late early for these teams, but the Cardinals still with a four and a half game lead on everyone else in the wild card. And the Cardinals will face the Cubs uh, here on Friday. And uh, that's a double header 
uh, one, minus 160 for the Cardinals in game one with Jay Happ on the hill. That's the latest in Major League Baseball. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. We will uh, talk about the Ryder Cup coming up next. Yes, USA versus Europe. Is it un-American if I bet on Team Europe? Plus money value. But it makes me feel bad. We'll get into that coming up next, plus some interesting odds and matchups for a fun golf event that will occur over the weekend. Gets going, actually, just a couple of hours. I'm Scott Seidenberg. So look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to vsin.com data and analysis. You get everything vsin has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at vsin.com slash subscribe. Scott Satterberg back here. The look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. And coming up uh, Friday morning, the Ryder Cup will begin. Team USA is a minus 215 favorite. Team Europe is plus 240. I'll be honest, I'm I'm not the biggest uh, golf handicapper. I like to have some fun when it comes to the golf bets, uh, you know, putting some, you know, trying to find some good value odds, if you will, and follow the experts that I uh, trust the, the most. And, and when it comes for me, you know, I'm looking at a matchup here with uh, John Rahm and Sergio Garcia against Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. And, you know, John Rahm is number one in the world. Like, why, why wouldn't I want to back him in that matchup? Uh, seems to be a pretty good one. Um, Getting you know, the odds here, the matchup odds, according to DraftKings, is uh, Spieth and Thomas are minus 115. Rahm and Garcia are minus 105. So that's interesting to play here. Um, I think, yeah, I would do Rahm and Sergio Garcia. Uh, and I'm, I don't want to be un-American here, but you got two of the best golfers this past season, at least at the end of the season, and, you know, Jordan Spieth isn't exactly uh, been playing at the top of his game, but I'm just going to, I just like the pairing, right? The two Spaniards with Raman Garcia together and <laughs> and the world number one in John Rahm. I think that's the way I'm going to go here with the, with the matchups. Uh, but in terms of to win the whole thing, is it un-American if I take Europe at plus 240? Just for the, the value, right? I mean, just for the value, uh, USA at minus two fifteen, Europe at plus two forty. Uh, it just it uh, why not? Just it, it could be fun here. Uh, there's some fun uh, team props. Uh, the team to lead first, the race to a certain amount of points, win the first point. Uh, match play props. Uh, the first to go up two. How about this? Jordan Spieth and and Justin Thomas against John Rahm and Sergio Garcia. This is on DraftKings. You can find this. The first to go two up. Spieth and Thomas are minus 135. Rahm and Garcia are plus 100 there. Um, other tournament props here. Biggest winning margin. Uh, you can bet on that. Will it be, I guess the largest odds would be four. Uh, I guess you can have nine and eight. Or, yeah, that, that's very rare. Two up is and one up. Six and five is your favorite at plus 250. To have a hole in one, 
Will there be a hole-in-one on day one? No is minus 2,500. Yes is plus 900. And uh, two or more holes-in-one in in the entire event is plus 1,400. Um, Winning margin. Team USA to win by one to three points is plus 225. USA by four to six is plus 300. USA by seven or more is plus 350. Europe to win by one to three is plus 450. Europe to win by four to six is plus 900. And Europe to win by seven or more is plus 1400s. So uh, I think that maybe if you're going to bet it this way, you can go with the winning margin as opposed to betting the actual tournament line. So if you like Team USA to win, and they are minus 215, bet them on the winning margin. Because you're going to get plus money whichever way you go, right? So you can do, here's what I would do. You risk 215 to win 100 if you bet Team USA to win. Or split that 215 and really just make it 200 and do USA to win by one to three and USA to win by four to six. So if USA wins by one to three, you win 225, you're going to lose your 100, but you're going to win 125. So you're going to profit, at, you're going to profit, I guess, $25 off your $200 risk. Or you could profit $100 if USA wins by four to six. Uh, and it's just mitigating your risk a little bit. USA win by seven or more is plus 350. Um, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with my selection would be, because I'm just going to go with the guys that I know and trust, the guys that I've been seeing on top of the leaderboards, the guys that I've been kind of, uh, kind of you know, following in terms of, of, of this past golf season and the majors especially. So I'll go with uh, Rom and Garcia in their first round matchup. But there's a ton of other ways you can go if the if the, if the bets are available to you, like the top points getter in, in all these. Like, let's pull this back up here. Uh, the top, let's see. Golfer props, top USA point scorer. Justin Thomas, plus 450. Xander Shoffley, plus 600. Jordan Spieth, plus 600. Patrick Cantley, plus 600. Uh, Dustin Johnson, plus 650. Top European and no surprise, John Rahm, the favorite, at plus 275. So I might uh, I might want to sprinkle a little bit on Rahm here as the top European point scorer. And, uh, yeah, I do like that first matchup there with uh, Rahm as well. Uh, looking online, I see a couple of people that are, you know, looking at, uh, I've seen Xander Shoffley, um, his name, uh, on a bunch of articles in terms of for the top USA point scorer. So that's interesting. Uh, again, don't know much about it. I'm going to go with the guys that I do know. The guys that I do know, that would be John Rahm. And uh, I, I would lean towards the, that matchup. Rahm and Garcia, the two Spaniards. And I will take them in the opening round matchup against Spieth and Justin Thomas. Although Justin Thomas has he's had a really nice season. He was the top U.S. point getter, I believe, the last Ryder Cup. So this is going to be fun. Again, Team USA is the favorite. And Team Europe is the underdog. Uh, and, you know... Maybe I'll bet Team USA to win, but bet the under bet the matchups with the Europeans in the first round. I'm not gonna do much on it. Probably just sprinkle a little bit just to have a little bit juice in the game, you know, so I can feel like I'm a part of it. Uh, again, listen, you don't have to bet everything. You really don't. Uh, but maybe just to feel a little bit part of it, have something to uh, 
watch on Friday morning uh, when it comes to the golf. Maybe have a little uh, skin in the game with that first round matchup for Friday morning. Rom and Garcia against Spieth and Thomas at minus 105. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Air. Also coming up uh, this weekend is a UFC event. We got a fight uh, coming up, and we have a heavy favorite on the card as well as Valentina Shevchenko is on this card, and I believe it's minus 1,500 for her fight. Let me pull up these odds here because uh, I I did see that earlier, and I was like, there's no way that it's that high. But, yeah, uh, UFC 266. Um, Let's see. Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. She is minus 1,500. Do you dare bet Lauren Murphy just because it's plus 850 and just take your shot at the plus money as a plus money grab? I don't. I could. I wouldn't blame you if you tried, but uh, I don't think that um, that uh, that would be smart. Shevchenko seems like she's going to dominate this one. The main event, though, Alexander Volkanovsky, and um, he is a slight favorite, uh, I believe. He's at minus yeah, minus one seventy. It's a decent size of favorite. Uh, Brian Ortega is at plus one fifty uh, in this fight. Um, you know, obviously not as big of a favorite as Valentina Shevchenko, but, uh, you know, and Shevchenko has won seven straight fights, by the way. So she lost to Amanda Nunez a couple of years ago, and since then she's won seven straight fights, so hard to go uh, against one. Um, it's a title defense for Volkanovsky. Uh, opened up as minus, minus 165. It has now moved to minus 170. Ortega uh, defeated Frankie Edgar a couple of uh, years ago. So, you know, that was a fight I certainly watched. Frankie Edgar's a Jersey guy, so I back him and I watched those fights. But um, this is an interesting uh, fight here. Nick Diaz is on the card. And that's uh, Nate Diaz's boy, right? And he's going up against... Uh, Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler minus 145. Nick Diaz plus 125. Something tells me this fight would have been more popular uh, many, many years ago. <laughs> seems like um, seems like Robbie Lawler's been around for a while. And Nick Diaz, I don't remember him fighting in several years. Um, that's Nate Diaz's brother. So, yeah. Okay. Nick Diaz hasn't fought since 2015. He had back-to-back losses to George St. Pierre and Carlos Condit. His last win in the octagon against BJ Penn in 2011. So, I mean, that this is more my style. This is old school, you know, UFC. Uh, I would go with Lawler in this one um, just because the guy hasn't won since 2011. Come on. Uh, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Again, follow on Twitter at Scott's on there. It's a little UFC take for me uh and uh coming up next we'll get back into football more of my bread and butter college football give you a little another analysis for some games coming up here on friday and then of course the slate on saturday it's the look ahead here on vsin the sports betting network follow us all on twitter at vsin live as well i'm saleya mosin and i've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. episode of the Ron Flatter Racing Pod comes from Arlington Park, where General Manager Tony Petrillo discusses tomorrow's final race card in the track's 94-year history. Trainer Robertino Diodoro talks about keep me in mind's big to pull off an upset in tomorrow's $1 million Pennsylvania Derby. Rampart Casino Sportsbook Director Dwayne Colucci handicaps weekend races. 
Subscribe at iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or download it now at vcin.com slash podcasts. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is sponsored by First Bet. Scott Seidenberg back here, the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. I was reading an interesting article uh, by Brett McMurphy, college football reporter who now works for the Action Network. Um, and, and Brett had this article he was writing about how do college coaches know about the spread? And it, some really interesting quotes here. Um, here's some quotes from the article, right? It, quote, it all boils down to this, a current head coach said. Any coach you talk to that says they don't know what the spread is, they're lying. How could you not know? It's on every pregame show. It's everywhere. Another coach added, I can 100% guarantee every coach in the country knows the line to their game. And Brett goes on to say, while playing on the road is never easy, there's also the added challenge of dodging boosters in the team hotel on Friday night or Saturday morning. Quote, when you go through the lobby or you're going to the pregame meal or to the bus, inevitably, you're going to see somebody who will ask, how's it look today? Or they're wanting injury information on key players, a former coach said. And... Some just cut to the chase. Coach, you think we're going to cover? There hasn't been a game I coached where I haven't been asked that by somebody. Very interesting because Brett goes on to list some moments in college football where uh, it seems like coaches are playing for the line. Now, he asks the question, do coaches intentionally try and cover the spread? And a coach said, quote, you think I'm going to risk losing my livelihood and job trying to cover a spread because some booster may give me a couple of hundred bucks? I'm not that stupid. And no, I don't think coaches go out there and try and cover the spread. But yes, there are certain games where you could point to where a, an interesting decision was made. Uh, as Brett details in the article, in 2020, Duke trailed Virginia Tech 38-28, and on the game's final play, Duke opted for a 39-yard field goal instead of trying to score a touchdown. Duke opened as a 9.5-point favorite, lost 38-31, and covered the spread. So why would they go for the field goal there uh, instead of the touchdown? I could simply counter that argument by saying, sometimes coaches just want to take something positive into the locker room. Sometimes they just want to feel like they got to win. It's the same reason why you wonder why a a team would kick a field goal when they're losing by multiple touchdowns and they haven't scored yet. Well, sometimes you just got to get points on the board. You want to take a win. You want to feel a win. You want to cap off a drive with points. And and yes, you might think they got to go for it on fourth down because they're losing by 20 points. Well, you know what? Taking a field goal just might be that coach's way of giving his team a win. Knowing this game is lost. We're not coming back to win, but I need my offense to feel good about themselves. I need to see some 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 wins here. And ending a drive with points is a win. And so, yeah, he's not trying to cover the spread there on the last play of the game. Maybe he's trying to get his team out there to feel positive about themselves. Or sometimes coaches want to give their team, give guys a look at, at a live opponent. So it could have been a situation where, you know, the kicker was out. Maybe the kicker was feeling down on himself. Maybe the kicker had missed a couple of kicks and you want him to get his confidence back. So you send him out there for a meaningless field goal, goes out there and he makes a field goal. Regain some confidence. 
there's a lot of things that come into play here, but I thought this article was very interesting about, you know, people knowing the spread or not. And obviously everyone knows the spread. It's everywhere. Don't be naive to think that no one knows it. Coaches, players, everyone knows what's going on in these games. But I don't think that people are intentionally trying to play to cover or to not cover. That, to me, does not go down. But I just think it's interesting when you dissect certain moments throughout the course of a game and think of, well, maybe they were trying to do something here or trying to cover or whatnot. No, I just think coaches coach to win, players play to win. And let's take a look at the college football board here. On Friday, there are four games. Middle Tennessee against Charlotte, Wake Forest against Virginia, Liberty at Syracuse, UNLV against Fresno State. Talked a little bit about Wake Forest and Virginia earlier. I lean towards Wake Forest plus the three and a half. I do think that game is going to be a shootout. It's a high number of 68 and a half, but man, does that just have points written all over it. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a play for me either way. Um, Maybe Wake Forest in a teaser, but uh, not really sure. My one play for that Friday slate is on Liberty at minus six and a half over Syracuse. And uh, I've spoke about it ad nauseum. They're just a better team. To me, they're head and shoulders above Syracuse. And the only reason why uh, people might consider playing Syracuse in this one is just for the situational spot. Just for the spot thinking that it's a primetime game on a Friday night at home and you're an underdog, take the points. We've seen it happen in previous weeks where primetime underdogs in the spotlight have covered. Some have won outright. But to me, in this spot, I'm going with the better team a team that uh, they just played each other last year, and Liberty won the game at Syracuse. I know there were no fans in attendance, but still, they won the game at Syracuse last year, 38-21. They returned pretty much all of the players from that game. It's going to be a similar outcome, in my opinion, except I don't think Syracuse scores 21. Uh, The comparable play here for me is to look at how Syracuse did at home against Rutgers. Rutgers has a very good defense. The defense is very similar to Liberty. Uh, The Liberty defense is only allowing 58 rushing yards per game. And that's just an incredible number. Well, in that game uh, for Syracuse and Rutgers, Rutgers only allowed them to get 67 rushing yards on the board. That's as impressive uh, as it comes, right? And I think it's going to be a similar case here with this Syracuse defense. Rush, rushing attack, trying to go up against this Liberty defense. Um, in terms of how comparable the teams are, uh, let's see, rushing yards against, rushing yards per game. Let's see, for Rutgers, I want to know what their stats are here on defense. Um, I know they rush for 143 yards per game. Yes, I know that. But uh, I'm trying to pull up their defensive rushing stats. Anyway, I'll get that for you because I want to see exactly how comparable they are to this Liberty rushing defense. But to me, that's the one game that you can look for to see how Syracuse does against a very good defense. And they didn't do well against Rutgers. They only scored seven. And Rutgers went out there and scored 17. Now, the difference between Rutgers and Liberty offensively is massive. Malik Willis is better than anybody on that Rutgers team. And so I think that this offense for Liberty is going to score a boatload of points here against uh, Syracuse, and defensively they'll limit them. Offensively they will score, so I think they cover the line easily. The fact that it's under a touchdown to me is a gift. I'll take it, and I think Liberty cruises to a double-digit win on Friday night. 
The other game uh, is a heavy spread between Fresno State, now into the top 25, playing at home against UNLV. Can Fresno State cover this high line? It's very high. It's 30. And the 30 is minus 115. So it's actually juiced to to having this line go uh, probably to maybe 30 and a half. Fresno State, we saw what they did against UCLA. This offense is fantastic. Jake Hayner is, you know, leading the nation in passing. He is having a tremendous season. And UNLV is, how do we say this uh, politely? They stink. Okay. They lost to Eastern Washington in double overtime, a game that was probably the only chance they had for a win this season. They lose to UN, they lose to Arizona State 37-10. They get blown out by Iowa State 48-3. And this game against uh, Fresno is probably going to be similar to that Iowa State game. Uh, UNLV has not been able to do anything this season. Offensively, they only averaged 15 points per game. They scored 46 points total. They've only scored four touchdowns total, uh, and it's, to me, not going to be a pretty sight. If you want to lay 30, go ahead and do it. Fresno's going to score at least 30 points. UNLV probably won't score at all. So Fresno's going to win this game. It's going to be a blowout, uh, and it's not going to be pretty for UNLV. Maybe Fresno takes their foot off the gas, though, in the fourth quarter, which you're always concerned about with the back door, especially with a 30-point spread. But this should be a route there uh, in the Valley. We'll get back into the NFL. Take a look at what happened on Thursday Night Football and take a look ahead to Sunday's Week 3 slate. It's coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It's The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football betting season your best ever with our exclusive new betting splits feature on vcin.com. Track the money and betting volume for every game on the schedule to find your betting edge. Plus, get everything our football experts have to offer with daily best bet email, 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 with daily best bet MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.